morning, Africa. Yesterday, we talked about Rwanda achieving 10% COVID-19 World Health Organization vaccine target. Today, we expand on that and look at how the continent can pick up the inoculation pace. Good morning, Africa. Welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ruth Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial and you can find me at Ruth Dong. Africa is set to miss the urgent global goal of vaccinating the most vulnerable 10% of every country's population against COVID-19 by the end of September. According to new data from the World Health Organization, 42 of Africa's 54 nations, that's nearly 80%, are set to miss the target if the current pace of vaccine deliveries and vaccinations holds. Only nine countries have reached the target set in May, so how can the remaining 42 countries pick up the inoculation pace? We speak to Marie-Ange Sarakao-Yao, the Managing Director, Resource Mobilization, Private Sector Partnerships at Gavi. We do need to pick up the pace and it is picking up. Over the, this month already, we have delivered four times more vaccine than the past months and this is continuing. What needs to be done really is that there really needs to be a concerted and deliberate collaborative effort from everyone starting with stopping the export restriction from some markets that are producing vaccines to really have manufacturers, you know, prioritizing low and middle income countries. And of course, accelerating also the pace of regulatory approval of sites so that the site can indeed service the continent. So since, uh, you know, the beginning of the pandemic, COVAX, you know, the initiative that is a collaborative effort with WHO, CP, Gavi, and a lot of others have really, you know, muscled up to be able to um, reserve doses to be able to bring to low and middle income countries. You know, the first step really has been and the first success has been that vaccine have been delivered in Africa, you know, 39 days after they were delivered in the UK at the beginning of the year. What has slowed down the efforts, as I was mentioning, with the pandemic unraveling and a lot of unknowns, has obviously been, been um, a more, uh, let's say, inward outlook from a lot of governments into their own market, which has created some of the hurdles. I think what's positive now, you just saw yesterday, you know, at the UN General Assembly, a U.S. summit really uh, pushing to vaccinate uh, the, you know, low and, and middle income countries, the world, the rest of the world and Africa is there. There is a momentum. So we see this momentum coming, as I said, with the acceleration, but it has really to continue. And I think it's really great that we have the opportunity to, to talk so that we can really raise the bar and the visibility of these matters. So it, it really requires a collaborative effort from all and really into action, not just words. You have leaders on the continent like South Africa's Cyril Ramaphosa and Rwanda's Paul Kagame that have taken strong measures and made equally strong statements regarding vaccine inequality. So how can this be achieved? I really think that collaboration is key, you know, because in a sense, indeed, you know, you know, the continent could resort, could resort to a export restriction. But as you know, the inputs and ingredients to do the bottling and the um, the finish of the vaccine in the continent comes from elsewhere. The vaccine actually business is a very global business. And that's what we have seen. You know, inputs come from all over the world, the entrance to the vaccine. So in a sense, you know, we are bound to uh, to be hurt anyway, because, you know, then 
it, it creates the, the, the same kind of uh, chain reaction, if I may say. I think really what's fantastic is that, you know, the leadership of the African Union, and we are very pleased, COVAX, to be partnering with the African Union and EVAT in this initiative. And really a very, very strong advocacy, but of course, you know, getting ready and preparing the countries at the same time. In a sense, you know, uh, right now we have been able to deliver close to 300 million doses around the world. Only three countries have been able to do that, to my knowledge, China, the United States and India. So it's still a significant endeavor, but this is not enough. We need to do much more. And that's what we are now doing with the, with the vaccine and the manufacturing and uh, the delivery accelerating. Uh, so that, you know, we can hope that by, uh, the, by the first quarter of 2022, more than 470 million doses will be delivered in Africa, on top of what will be delivered, of course, for, by AVAT and uh, the African Union. So I think we are in the right trajectory, but advocacy and very strong advocacy needs to continue uh, so that it happens. I think there is a realization Unfortunately, with the variants that are um, evolving around the world, that it cannot be that only some people are vaccinated and the rest of the world is not, because we see the consequences today and we see also the economic impact. It was very nice to hear, uh, you know, some of the uh, of the, the the growth in the continent, but this has been thwarted by indeed the delay in the uh, vaccination. And the challenge of misinformation and anti-vaxxers, how do you overcome that? Here's Marie Angier one more time. Again, going back to collaboration and having everybody contribute, our first call really to manufacturers is that they have to ship vaccines that have a long enough short, short shelf life so that we can administer it in our countries, right? And that's very important. And we have been very adamant about it. And now when this is happening, we are returning the vaccine and countries ask to return the vaccine. So we are hoping uh, to see less of this. Of course, what's very important is to have the predictability for manufacturers, because when we know that the vaccine is arriving at a certain period, countries can prepare, Right. Uh, so, so that's, so that's fundamental. But we also have to have indeed, as you say, campaigns to explain the benefits of, of immunizations. You know, the benefits far outweigh the, the, the risk. And finally, as you know, the World Health Organization and a lot of health agency, you know, uh, of course, you know, in a sense, the idea is not to further restrict travel of people around the world. So as much as possible, we are encouraging all countries to adopt all the vaccines that are that have been pre-qualified by WHO because they, this is a stamp of, uh, uh, of, of quality so that everyone can travel as, as they want. We have been very successful doing this with Europe, and I think we'll be definitely pushing this also for, for the UK, so, so that was so as not to restrict the movement of people. That was Marie-Anger Sarakayao, the Managing Director, Resource Mobilization, Private Sector Partnerships at Gavi. South Africa's embattled national airline on Thursday flew its first plane since March 2020 after emerging from bankruptcy proceedings. Once Africa's second largest airline after Ethiopian Airlines, South African Airlines survived for decades on government bailouts and were shedding routes 
even before the COVID-19 pandemic struck. The South African government agreed in June to sell a 51% stake to a group of investors called the Takatso Consortium, opening the way to a potential injection of $200 million. Even after a state bailout of more than $500 million and a restructuring of its debt, the airline only emerged from bankruptcy after shedding hundreds of jobs. In addition to the domestic route that resumed on Thursday, South Africa Airlines plans to begin regional services next week to Accra, Kinshasa, Lusaka, Harare and Maputo. ABSA, South Africa's fourth biggest bank by market value, is considering a second broad-based black economic empowerment scheme to make a more meaningful contribution to transformation in the financial services sector. The bank said in a statement that its proposed new BBBEE scheme would constitute up to 8% of its issued share capital. That would equate to about 9.5 billion rand based on ABSA's share price on Wednesday for a deal that is expected to include third-party investors and staff. The staff component will enable all ABSA employees across the group's operations to become shareholders and to participate in the group's growth. In 2004, ABSA became the first of the large banks in South Africa to conclude a significant BBBEE transaction, issuing a 10% stake to Bathel Bonke Capital. And a look at the markets. Money markets were liquid, prompting the Central Bank of Uganda to intervene therein with a seven-day repo and term deposits where a total of 971.5 billion Uganda shillings was picked. The day's overnight trades average at 6.73%. On the Rwanda Stock Exchange, yesterday's trading session recorded a total turnover of 216 million francs from 4,800 IMR shares traded on the equities market while the fixed income market remained quiet. RSI and the All Shares Index remained constant to close at 107.94 and 147.11 respectively. IMR counters closed at 45 francs. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K-Financial. And if you have any suggestions or you want to check out more stories, visit our website, that is thekfinancial.com, and don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at The K Financial. And you can find me on Twitter at Withadong. <laughs>